0: Fake, fake, fakety fake.
1: Hi, I'm Jody. And I'm Vienna. And welcome to Imperial News, where I spend my whole week listening to the far right podcast Rebel News, and talk about yay being anti-Semitic with my friend Vienna. Okay. <laughs> uh huh. Do you like Do you like Kanye West? You a Kanye West stan?
2: I. So in my head, I see the Y E. I've always pronounced it ye because of like Jesus.
1: But it's Kanye. Um,
2: yeah, no, and that makes sense. But I heard Yay, as in like woohoo. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, and I <laughs> was just like, huh, what? What are we doing today, Jody?
1: <laughs> no, Nay anti-Semitism is.
2: <laughs> there we go.
1: How are you, Vienna?
2: Yay. Um I'm all right. Uh bit of a tummy ache, but you know, such is life. Such is life in these these difficult times. I will struggle through it. Does not the pumpkin pie ice cream soothe the tummy ache? Funny. Uh it does not because it has a little bits of shortbread uh, in it for uh imitation crust. Uh and I am a person who should not be eating wheat. Um, so that actually probably is the cause of the tummy ache. But, you know, I'm being real brave about it. I'm being real, like, you know, just
1: sometimes you gotta take a risk. just gonna
2: power through. Yeah. Um, how are you?
1: I am just as good as I was earlier when we recorded the (laughs) earlier episode. We, uh, recorded two in one day again to catch up. And, uh, yeah, we're going to do it. You know, we were sick and life and stuff, but we're catching up, so it's all good.
2: I would like to note for the record that Jody is a hater of pumpkin pie and also butter tarts. That is Um, also true. Yeah. If anybody um, wants to assassinate him for his crimes against humanity, (laughs) um, feel free to DM me on Twitter and I will give you his address. (laughs)
1: Well, uh... You know what? Out of all the things, sure. That'll be the way I go out, is uh, clashing with people's dessert preferences.
2: Uh... <laughs> we'll protest at your funeral against your right to be buried in a cemetery with other people.
1: As I said in Vienna early, though, if I had like top-tier pie, coconut cream pie, all the way. So if that if that wins some of you over... <laughs> <laughs> Listen... <laughs> Gotta get that sympathy, okay? I may not like butter tarts, not a huge fan of pumpkin pie, but coconut cream pie? Love it. Thin
2: ice. It's already got <laughs> cracks in it.
1: You know? So we might as well... This this might be a little long. I will say, of, of course, we're talking about yay. We're getting all into the yay business, but uh, there is going to be some heavy transphobic content near the uh, second half of this episode. So I figured I would just flag that now. Uh, if that is something that you don't like to, to hear, we will warn you when it comes close uh, and we start covering it. But it's not great. Uh, I will say that this week that we're covering for this episode was the week before the shooting that happened in Colorado. So again, that doesn't come up on Ezra show, but I don't know. I I feel like I have to mention that before we get into it because it's really bad and we will cover it when we get to it. But uh, on that delightful note, (laughs) might as well get to the rest of the show.
0: Hello, my rebels. Hello, my rebels. I'm a good boy. I'm a weirdo.
1: This week, we are covering November 14th to November 18th. And on the 14th, we are talking about Kanye West. And this is because on the 13th, which was the the Saturday, or not the 13th, the 12th, (laughs) which would have been the Saturday, Dave Chappelle was on Saturday Night Live and did one of the opening monologues for the show about the whole Kanye West stuff. As, along with some other bullshit, but primarily focused on the Kanye West stuff.
2: Um maybe we should note that this is also before Kanye brought Nick Fuentes to dinner with Trump. It is there have, <laughs> things keep developing.
1: <laughs> I do feel like though, in in at this point in the timeline, it was released that kanye was like praising hitler in person to people Mm -hmm. so again (laughs) we're gonna get a lot of like ezra playing defense for kanye here although he admittedly says that some of what kanye says is anti-semitic he still wants to play defense for the guy so we we are going to get to that but uh he (laughs) in in fact i should just say Ezra opens the show by saying, Kanye said some things that were vaguely anti-Semitic. And already, I didn't clip it, but I was like, vaguely? Vaguely?
2: (laughs) That could be hypothetically interpreted or misinterpreted as anti-Semitism.
1: And the reason I didn't clip it is because, as you'll hear in one of the clips I do have, he does come out and say it was, in fact, anti-Semitic. But it's weird that even at the beginning, he has to kind of be like, yeah, like, it's, it's anti-Semitic, but it's just not as clear, you know? It's <laughs> you' has got to look through it through, like, tinted glass or something. Or maybe I did clip it. Either way, this is how uh, Ezra opened the show. So maybe we're going to get the, the anti-Semitic part anyways. Or the vaguely anti-Semitic part
0: tonight, is there a better way to deal with someone who says something vaguely anti-Semitic than to destroy them? It's November 14th and this is the Ezra Levant show.
1: So yes, okay, I did keep the vague clip, but like, you notice as well that he doesn't say Kanye's name in the that opening question. But this is what the episode is going to be about. But then the question is like, if someone says something vaguely anti-Semitic, do you like, destroy them immediately? Like, like, like that's like I guess like the the do du- the dual issue that he's dealing with. He's like, yeah, anti-semitism bad. But do we need to ruin someone's life because
2: they're anti-Semitic? Do we need to ruin this hugely rich person's uh deals with shoe companies over this?
1: That's ruining your life. That's having your life completely ruined. True. So Ezra goes on then to praise Dave Chappelle, specifically for his anti-trans content. He then calls Dave Chappelle a conservative, even though Dave Chappelle doesn't identify as that. And he's like, even though Dave Chappelle does not identify as conservative, he really is conservative. And I actually think uh, Ezra might be right about that. (laughs) Uh, That Dave Chappelle isn't aware that he is, in fact, conservative. Mm Mm-hmm. And then he plays a clip of Dave Chappelle making fun of the uh, Juicy Smollett situation. Sure. Whatever. This had nothing to do with the Saturday Night Live monologue. He's just hyping up Dave Chappelle before he gets into the bit. Now, for those who don't know, Dave Chappelle in the monologue on Saturday Night Live said some stuff that also could be considered vaguely anti-Semitic, and a lot of people reacted to that. So... Ezra is going to react to the first sort of clip. It was how Dave Chappelle opened his monologue. And so we're going to hear a bit of that as well. But Ezra is going to reflect on whether or not he, uh, or or at least how he reflects to this opening uh, anti-Semitism by Dave Chappelle.
0: 20 years it's been Democratic Party talking points. And then last night, Dave Chappelle gets on the stage. And in the first few seconds, he had me hooked. He started with a disclaimer. Take a look. Before I start tonight, I just wanted to read a brief statement that I prepared. I denounce anti-Semitism in all its forms. And I stand with my friends in the Jewish community. And that, Kanye, is how you buy yourself some time. It is funny, but it is smart and true and wise These days, if you're going to say anything controversial, you have to bend the knee and say, I, I'm very tolerant. I'm going to do a land acknowledgement to the Aboriginal people. I'm going to talk about my trans brothers and sisters. I mean, Dave Chappelle was doing it as a joke, but he was actually doing it for real, too.
1: Ezra then cuts himself off there. But I'm like, the butt of that joke, like in, in Chappelle saying you bought yourself some time. That's just saying you still harbor the anti-Semitic feelings. You're just playing cover for them, yeah. which is why people objected to what Chappelle said there. Yet it's like Ezra doesn't get that part of the joke. He just thinks it's like Dave Chappelle mocking like land acknowledgments or something. Which I guess similarly, like, <sighs> land acknowledgements can be said by racist people who are trying to hide the racism, too. Like,
2: let's yep, be clear. <laughs> Welcome to Canada. <laughs> like,
1: But it's just weird that, like, I, I don't even know what Ezra w- was trying to say in reflection to that bit by-, by Dave Chappelle. It just seems like he wants to just skirt... He wants to, like, revel in it and defend Dave Chappelle because he's a conservative comedian, but then not actually wrestle with the sort of, like, in the implicit anti-Semitism that was said there. Yeah. Ezra moves on, though, and he goes on to defend the basketball player Kyrie. Are you aware of the whole
2: Kyrie arc? I heard something about it. Like, didn't he post about, like, an anti-Semitic documentary and then, like, not long afterwards be like, Oops, that was not smart of me. And like he had already got like kicked out of his team or whatever. Is that?
1: Yes. I mean, I don't know if he was fully kicked off, but he he was going to get kicked off off if he didn't apologize. I I haven't watched the follow up, but he did retweet a link. He didn't say anything. It was just the retweeting of the link. And this is how Ezra defends him because he's like, oh, he just retweeted the link. He didn't comment on it. He didn't say anything. But the link was to a movie that was promoting black Hebrew Israelites, which are anti-Semitic. Yeah. The other part of that, like the one aspect of this, which I'll agree with Ezra, is he does criticize the fact that Amazon hosts this movie in the first place. And yeah, I think Jeff Bezos should be more criticized and Amazon than uh, Kyrie. For the fact that they host this video. I agree with that. But I don't think like Kyrie g- gets a pass for retweeting this. Because why is he retweeting
2: this? Oh, it was an Alex Jones thing.
1: He's done a lot. The other thing about Kyrie is he's an anti-vaxxer. So, yeah. uh, I don't know. I I don't think the original thing was an Alex Jones. the The link that he tweeted? Um...
2: Maybe it was? I don't know. September 15th, he shared a video on Instagram that was a rant uh, by Alex Jones.
1: Oh, okay, so this was something else, though. Like, he did tweet out a link to a video that was hosted on Amazon of a black Hebrew
2: Israelite movie. Uh, Yes, he did. And I don't think that was Yeah, that was October 27th, so (laughs) this was... So a he month just... <laughs> and a bit after the Alex Jones thing.
1: So he just keeps doing things. But the thing is, because Kyrie was an anti-vaxxer, Ezra's defending him as, like... And it gets weird here, because, like, we all know Ezra is Jewish. He brings it up frequently. But here he is, already into this episode, defending Kanye, Dave Chappelle, and Kyrie, all for anti-Semitic statements. Or anti-Semitic things that they're doing.
2: Yeah. Okay, I'm reading the Kyrie Wikipedia page right now, and he, the film that he, like, tweeted a link to uh, denies that the Holocaust happened, and also quotes both Adolf Hitler and Henry Ford, um, and talks about how Jews controlled the Atlantic slave trade, and currently control the media. But
1: he didn't comment on it, Fiano. He just tweeted it. Uh Uh-huh. Therefore, he's not anti-Semitic. Why are are you ruining his life? Uh Uh-huh. OK, so then we so we did the Dave Chappelle stuff. We're on the Kyrie. But then Ezra spends a lot of time praising Kanye, talking about how brilliant he is. He talks about how like his mom was like a Fulbright scholar who raised him in China. And like, Kanye, as a youth, even spoke Chinese before forgetting it. And like he's just like this very brilliant uh, person. Right. And I will say like this. I've I made for our YouTube channel it used to be that our logo this was before we had our new Imperial News logo put in place but it used to be the uh, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy album by Kanye West but where the ballet dancer on the cover their face was Ezra's and the reason why is because when Kanye came out in support of Trump Ezra had an entire show dedicated to how much he loved Kanye and how great Kanye was so like this part of it doesn't surprise me, but it's like again, after <laughs> even like even the Nick Fuentes stuff, like I don't think Ezra's going to have any backlash towards that because guess what? Ezra co-hosted Alex Jones' show back when Nick Fuentes who is still is platformed by Alex Jones. Like Nick Fuentes' show is a part of the InfoWars sort of like network. And Ezra had no problem affiliating himself with that. Even though, as we said, and and also Ezra praises Milo Yiannopoulos, who is the other person that Kanye West is working with right now. So, like, Ezra swims in these circles. But this is why it's like he weaponizes his Jewishness in, like, a very specific way to defend anti-Semites. And just think about that for a second. (laughs) I would just let that, like, stew, okay? So he praises Kanye West. And then he even sort of justifies the like mental connections that Kanye may, made between his like the certain people who were like handling him that then led to his anti-Semitism, according to Ezra. But then concludes that the best way to deal with this is not to deplatform him, uh, because deplatforming him will confirm his suspicions that really uh, Jewish people were out to get him. So this is what Ezra has to say about that.
0: I think that he was going in the wrong direction. I think he was going in an anti-Semitic direction. But the answer wasn't to smash him and to prove his conspiracy theories right by having Jews deplatform him, and there were Jews involved in those deplatformings. Wouldn't the answer have been kindness and education and saying, well, here's actually the real answers to your question? And, you know, there you there is a phenomenon here, but here's how we would answer it. And it's, there's nothing you know cosmically or eternally evil about the jews like just to to give him an answer other than the one he has been taught secondhand which is yes the jews control what you can say and will prove this because challenging them you will lose everything you have he's a he's a polymath he's an independent thinker he's a leader millions of black people especially black men look up to him because they see he's smart and successful and for heaven's sakes he married Kim Kardashian, and, and he's a, a star rapper. I mean, he was a leader. And to take him and smash him down because he strayed from the path, I, think, I do not think that he was deeply wedded to his anti-Semitic comments. I think he was trying them out, brainstorming them, floating them out there. But the reaction to him was so heavy-handed that it cemented those as his final views. Now he's being destroyed and Kyrie Irving. Huh. And maybe they'll take a run at Dave Chappelle next. I don't know. And what have they proved? The people who ripped up his contracts, humiliated him, condemned him as an anti-Semitic. Well, they proved his theories to be correct about things you can't talk about. Dave Chappelle did his best to talk about them without getting canceled. It'd be interesting to see if he gets away with it. I'm not defending anti-Semitism. I just know that there are many people out there who have questions about the Jews the same way they have questions about the blacks and women and transgender people. And just because you ask a question in a rough way or even a way that's prejudiced doesn't mean that's deeply in your heart. But now Kanye West has lost everything, and a million black men have seen what happened to him. I don't think they've disproved Kanye West's theory about Jews controlling the media. I think they've actually proved it. Even if it doesn't exist, well, they just made it true. What do you think?
2: I think that, like, by the time you get to pro Hitler, you're probably uh, not just like questioning.
1: I do find it weird that he like talks about it as if like Kanye was just like dabbling in the anti-Semitism. Like, mm-hmm. I I do agree for many reasons, especially in like hip hop, as some like I listen to enough hip hop to know. That like black Israelite type like ideas and thoughts exist in some lyrics, right? And that to me is like dabbling in it. Like I don't think that a lot of the uh, rappers that use words and stuff associated with those movements are like fully invested in Black Hebrew uh, Israelite philosophy or what they know. But like again, what Kanye did was way beyond that. (laughs) You can't just say he was dabbling like he he again in private conversations was talking about how great Hitler was. That is like you are now like crossing a line that in like in an interview with TMZ on the street. He brought up a list that was saved on his phone that had all the names of Jewish people that were like CEOs of companies. Okay, you don't just have that on your phone. If you're just dabbling in the anti-semitism. Yeah. You don't write a tweet saying you're going to go death con three on the Jews. If you're just dabbling in anti-semitism. Like I don't. <laughs> <Yeah. sighs> like what?
2: Yeah. And,
1: and, this is the thing that's good. Like, cause he's not going to bring it up again. I, I don't think he's going to talk about any of the Nick Fuentes stuff, any of the other stuff that like we've seen, but it's like, For Ezra to be at the point he's at in this episode, when all that stuff had already happened, and just was sort of like, oh no, he's. It's gonna make him worse now because everyone, like. But it's like, at what point do you ruin someone's life because they've been anti Semitic? You know? Yeah. Because I'm wondering with what Ezra is saying, is like, there's never a point. There's never a point when, like, someone has, like, crossed a threshold. Now we can deplatform them remove their stuff like wait, like why won't Ezra draw the line that is that is the end of the the at least the Kanye stuff in the main segment. It's just like amazing to me that just you get one celebrity that starts doing things that you like and you excuse their anti-Semitism. yeah so then Ezra interviews Katie Davis Court. she is their American employee. And they have set up a website that is called Watching Arizona. And they claim that uh, there are election shenanigans afoot in Arizona. But they don't explain what they are. You just need to go to their website and give them money. (laughs) Because, trust them,
2: shenanigans are happening in Arizona. I got distracted looking up the the DEFCON levels. (laughs) Three is the middle one. Well... Listen, his alarm bells weren't at full
1: capacity. Like, you know? They might be now. I think maybe he's... Is, does it go higher or lower for the threat level? So he, would he be at DEFCON 5 now, or is he at DEFCON 1?
2: Uh, well, DEFCON 1 is nuclear war is imminent or has already begun.
1: I think Kanye might be there now. Um, In terms of how he feels about the Jewish community
2: so, like for context in terms of like where we have ever gotten um defcon three was uh nine eleven operation paul Bunyan where um i guess North Korean soldiers um murdered two u s army officers with axes that w- which defcon level was that that was defcon three uh That's that was that <laughs> Yeah, right? Uh, And then the Yom Kippur War, um, when Egypt and Syria attacked Israel um, in 1973. DEFCON 2 was the Cuban Missile Crisis and the Gulf War. And obviously not excusing it, considering all of the other comments, DEFCON 3 doesn't really seem like a parsable, like, (laughs) thing. (laughs) what does going defcon 3 on a group of people mean I, I like i don't think he, he i know yeah. i know but it's just like like the phrase is just like it sticks in your mind so well like it is just like like i wish that it weren't in a like
1: very bad good, yeah. context
2: because it is just like such a funny phrase but you would expect there to be some sort of, like, meaning behind it, right?
1: I think one of my first tweets after that happened was I said, I'm going DeathCon 3 on this bag of chips right now.
2: <laughs> yeah, right? Like, like that is a hilarious <laughs> thing to say. And it's even funnier knowing that, that the only, like, actionable thing that apparently means is that the Air Force is ready to mobilize in 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what?
1: Um, That's when you know that bag of chips is popping off, you know? <laughs>
2: Get that yeah. military ready. Uh, anyways, that has been our discussion of the DEFCON levels for the day. <laughs> back it, to our regular programming.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's fair to keep it on Kanye, because like Ezra does bring it back to Kanye West. So normally at the end of the show they do a mailbag segment, but he decided instead of doing the mailbag segment to have a bit more of like a riff on the whole... Kanye's situation, and he says some similar stuff about the fact of, like, how, like, people reacting to his anti-Semitism will make him worse or something like this, but he adds almost, like, that it's justified in this clip, like, almost, like, stereotyping groups of people for things is weirdly justified, I mean, he doesn't... Fully say this, but I will play the clip and uh, you be the judge.
0: I guess what I'm saying is in our cancel culture and our microaggression hair trigger culture, if someone says something dumb or anti-Semitic or racist or anti-trans, if you really want to correct them, appeal to them intellectually or appeal to their better angels or try and talk them out of it, but to smash them and to destroy them, you have not changed their mind. You've shown how righteous you are, maybe. Maybe. But I think you've cemented them in their views. I think a lot of people who believe in conspiracy theories, the moment they're shut down for saying that conspiracy theory is the moment they feel that they've been vindicated and that conspiracy theory has been proved. I think the thing that makes a conspiracy theorist abandon their theory is if no one cares and no one stops them and they're just ignored and no one tries to censor them. If you try to censor someone, you're implying that what they're saying is powerful and therefore true. Anyway, I'm upset what they did to Kanye West because I think that he is not a deeply hateful man. I think he was musing and brainstorming and they destroyed him for it. It makes me sad. What do you think? Do you think I'm being too excuse-oriented for Kanye West? I saw some of the people I really admire equate what he said to Nazism. I do not think so. I think that's just someone who's uncomfortable with the issue of Jewish influence in Hollywood being discussed. I think it's going to be discussed. The only question is, do you answer it or do you smash it? If you smash it, you're just going to drive it underground. Those are my thoughts for the day. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night. Rebel World Headquarters?
2: Yeah. No,
1: I mean, he's Rebel Commander. It's their, their whole bit. It's really cheesy as hell. That being said, the, the I hear these tropes also said by, like, well-meaning leftist and liberal types that are pro-free speech to an extent that I disagree with, which is like, n- no, uh, sometimes you do, like, listen, look at the dichotomy of what he said. He's like, you need to let them speak it because if you smash it, it, like, makes them uh, believe it even more. And it's like, but that's not the reason why you're smashing it. You're smashing it so they don't spread it to others. Yeah. And then, like, at the end, he's like, and if you do it, you'll make them go underground. As if, like, again, they make it sound like going underground makes it more powerful. No, it doesn't. When anti-Semitism is underground, it's not contagious. It's quarantined. (laughs) You know? But, of course, Ezra doesn't want it to go underground. Ezra doesn't, like... Ezra is cool with like terms of service blocking like, uh, you know, Islamic extremist content, but he's okay with the spread of uh, Kanye's anti-Semitism. So let that like let it sink in. Right. He's clearly taking a stance here about what he's okay with seeing the, the the light of day and how to deal with something like this. He he feels like it's the right thing to do when it comes to other types of content. But when it comes to content of the people that he like agrees with on other things, he wants them to be open and anti-Semitic. Or at least have the ability to remain open and anti-Semitic, anti-Semitic, even though he gets to have this guise of like, I'm not myself anti-Semitic. I just think that like they should have this ability to like talk and we can have a marketplace of ideas strategy. And that's not how you deal with the bad ideas. It just isn't. Yeah. I was going to say this in the last clip too, when he he brought up like the woke mob and like it, they, they attack anyone who says something a little off about trans people. And it's just like, I wonder if he perceives himself as saying a little bit about trans people. When he goes out of his way constantly to dead name, harass, and misgender people. Constantly. That's not mm. just like a little thing. You are purposefully targeting them over and fucking over again. <laughs> you know? But then he's like, but then they want to cancel me for just be being a little rough with my words. So then we get to November 15th. I guess like it's starting to get around that we're going to have to like mask kids again as uh, in schools because of how There's a a respiratory virus on top of the COVID that is, like, spreading around everywhere. And Ezra spends the whole show talking about how masking children dehumanizes them and creates psychological damage. He doesn't back it up by anything other than his, like, oh my god, how could they do this to the kids? And, uh, yeah, I don't care. Well, I mean, I don't care about what Ezra has to say about that. Because unless he's going to bring up any factual claims, there's nothing I can really respond to. And then Ezra makes some like weird offhand comment that if we stayed open and never locked down during the pandemic, no one would have known that a pandemic was going on. And I'm just like what do you what do you mean? What <laughs> I knew people who died and we did lock down. Like I you think other people wouldn't have come into contact with people who were dying from this disease?
2: Yeah, like 6.6 million deaths is the current estimate. What a what a little blip. What a <laughs> what small
1: numbers, Vienno. Come on. Uh-huh. So then his interview segment is with Jer- Jeremy Lafredo. And Jeremy Lafredo is the American correspondent of theirs who does what, like... More of, like, pseudoscience stories, I guess, would be the best way to to claim it. Uh, And they just go over some of them here, so we'll we'll touch on them in a second. But they begin their segment by making fun of the fact that uh, they won't let people who are Canadian, who are unvaxxed, into America. So Lafredo, who's unvaxxed, can come to, like, Canada and appear on Rebel News, but, like, they can't do... The reverse. And uh, yeah, I think that's bad that our government is allowing <laughs> Jeremy Lafredo <laughs> into our country. I don't know.
2: That part has been weird. That like American... I Kind of on brand, of course, because like America and border controls um, that like it has been like on the American side overwhelmingly. And like that's been one of their only measures is like Clamping down on people coming into the country, more than like, you know, anything else that would actually like help public health stuff, and then Canada's just been like, ah, oh, anybody can come and visit, like,
1: yeah, no, I'm. Mean, it's the thing is like some of the policies they they have done do. To next to nothing and some of the like policies they could do that would do a lot they don't do because that'll either cost money or make make the uh make the money set
2: yeah no it's like you know oh yeah we can have border controls because you know that'll help with the racism so everybody will agree with that yeah um versus you know not having more than a million of your people die and
1: we went over it last time that about lafredo's history so apparently he works for russia today or worked for russia today before going to rebel and also worked for robert f kennedy jr who is a longtime anti-vaxxer and lafredo and ezra talk about the fact that he used to work for rfk so now it's been brought up on the the show and they both are just like yeah rfk he, he does a lot of great work you know he's just he's right in there doing a lot of great work and And Robert F. Kennedy Jr., like one of the main things that he did was he was a big uh, person pushing the line that thimerosal in vaccines was causing uh, uh, either birth defects or like a raise in autism in the vaccine. And we know that that's not the case because they would say thimerosal is mercury and therefore mercury is bad. But it's like... There's a the type of like mercury, and I can't remember which one it is, but like there's a difference between like ethyl and methyl mercury, just like there's a difference between ethyl and methyl alcohol, one which you can drink and have fun. The other will make you blind. Right. (laughs) So it's like the, the mercury that was in vaccines was used to basically remove contaminants on the surface of the vial before you pick up the injection source. And it's to disinfect stuff so that you don't infect the wound when you inject someone. And they went on this whole thing about how thimerosal is terrible. And eventually, they removed thimerosal. I believe thimerosal is removed from most vaccines. But once they did that, and the autism rates continued to increase, they just moved on to another thing, right? Which tells you they're not doing this based on evidence. They have a motivated belief to hate vaccines. And that's the whole reason they're doing this. Uh, so yeah so fuck rfk jr as well i guess (laughs) for all the all the people on the list that we can hate you know for the fact that he was anti-vaccine beforehand and then just because covid created an additional anti-vax movement that he jumped into the fray on that too it's ideologically motivated and these people kill people they kill people so great i'm glad you associated your colleague with working with him in a, a praiseworthy light we also find out so one of the stories that jeremy lefredo worked on that we have talked about is the amish farmer story where they were selling unregulated raw milk that is possibly linked to a listeria outbreak even though they kind of like only discussed that on the on the periphery otherwise it's a story about how the government is like ruining this poor amish farmer who Uh, is selling to a club. So he's not even selling to individual people. It's like a club. And so therefore, because it's a club, it can't be regulated. They somehow created a loophole (laughs) where you could sell people raw, unpasteurized milk without being regulated, even though the government was like, that's not a good loophole, and we're coming after you. And we find out that the new lawyer for the Amish farmer is Robert Barnes, who is someone who is employed by InfoWars. So. (laughs) And we know how well they've done in court recently. (laughs) Just uh, ask Alex Jones how much it's cost him. Let's uh, let's leave it at that. But then Ezra and Jeremy try to play some weird hypocrisy game around the regulation of raw milk. And this, this is just wild.
0: You know, it's incredible to me. We live in an age where euthanasia isn't just lawful. It's being promoted, especially here in Canada. Drugs are decriminalized or legalized everywhere, again, in Canada especially. Uh, You can do anything to yourself. You can engage in mutilation in the name of being non-binary. But God forbid you want to drink some unpasteurized milk or have beef killed by an Amish farmer who doesn't follow FDA rules. And one thing I learned about Amos Miller is that he doesn't have a retail shop that's just open to the general public. Mm-hmm. The people who sort of join his farm club, mm-hmm. like they say, I, I like this, I trust this, I want to be part of the team. And, and I, I think that was a legal structure designed to get around that you're selling to the public. But but there's something to it. If someone says, okay, I understand what we're doing here. I'm, I'm literally signing up to be part of this organic mm-hmm. Amish farm. Even if raw milk was bad for you, even if the way he slaughtered as meat was bad for you, which I, I don't think it is. I mean, I myself prefer pasteurized milk. I just a tradition or habit or whatever. But even if this wasn't healthy for you, for God's sakes, there's, there's nothing you can't inject in your arms or cut off your body with the approval of the woke karate. but a man can't sell raw milk or armed marshals will come to his farm. It's crazy. I mean, you know, the government has their hand in the selling of cigarettes
1: in uh, the lottery business. And um, that
2: that isn't uh, too dangerous or, you know, too unhealthy for them. But milk. Milk <laughs> is where they draw the line. It is an interesting um, thing that's going on in Pennsylvania. Like, for what? Like,
1: there was, like, two different hypocrisy arguments. I guess Ezra is like, oh, they let you cut off limbs, <laughs> but, but won't let you drink listeria-ridden milk.
2: They let you cut off your fifth limb uh, and uh, do drugs, but they won't let you get sick and die
1: and like what's weird is like those procedures that he's talking about are regulated like the reason why you have some of these things that he talks about is because there is some other need for them either uh drug addiction uh people who have some kind of gender dysphoria, if we're still going to use that term, like there's reasons why like some of the things that he listed there lead to certain procedures that are then regulated by the government. And then he's like, so it's like his hypocrisy is like, they let you do these in his terms, like crazy things, yet they won't let you drink the milk. But it's like, no, they're they're regulating everything because you're not allowed to just sell people something where it's like, I don't know, there's a risk you could die of an infectious bacteria. <laughs> I don't know. Especially if you don't advertise the risk. Because, like, even Ezra here is promoting that the milk is safe.
2: <laughs> it is
1: not. It is not safe.
2: Supervised raw milk consumption sites.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, maybe one day well, if people are just, like, addicted to raw milk. <laughs> give me another hit
2: yeah <laughs> you, want, you go to the place you have to bring your raw milk separately there's no guarantee of a safe supply obviously um, because that would be ridiculous to uh, to hope for even um, you bring your raw milk to uh, the trailer they have set up in a um, empty parking lot and uh you drink the raw milk and then you hang around for a bit just until they can determine if you've caught if you've got lysteria or like you know have had too much milk that day uh and then they just like uh, say okay good luck um we're not gonna you know if you have lysteria don't don't come back but like you know see ya and there you go
1: no what did there's like a, a plague of farmers who, you know, they go into the barn to check on their cattle and there's just people jones right up to udders just like <laughs> getting it right from the source. <laughs> I got to get my hit. <laughs> just raw milk is so uh, so potent that they just can't help themselves.
2: The workers at the supervised milk consumption site uh, <laughs> provide you with uh clean sterilized glasses.
1: <laughs> clean sterilized glasses.
2: Yeah. <laughs> No no no, but because again, like yeah. that's that is about the source of it. And you know, that would be implying, like, oh, we're guaranteeing you a safe supply. Um which is called pasteurization. Uh but No no no. You get a a clean sterilized glass to put your milk in. Anyways, the point of all this being like just forget these raw milk fucks and like give them give drug users a safe supply that like you know isn't gonna be contaminated or whatever and just like yeah, sort of the implication
1: in what both of them are saying is that like raw milk it like it's equivalent to like a substance that like I think you could have prohibition on raw milk and it's not gonna create like users, you know like it's not that kind of substance I,
0: mm,
1: I don't know <laughs> we do
2: we do in fact have a prohibition on raw milk let's
1: just say that the base of people will not be as large as drug users or or alcohol users or things like this i don't think it would that be should that be a lot.
2: census question <laughs> now but we also substance, do- <laughs> substance use do you use heroin have you ever had fentanyl have you ever drank raw milk do you drink alcohol But we have to acknowledge how stupid Lafredo's
1: contribution to this was because it's like, yes, we regulate both cigarettes and gambling because these are harmful behaviors, much like drinking raw milk. (laughs) Maybe that's why we have the government in charge of these things. It's not because government is like, we want our cut because we like these things. (laughs) It's like, as a society, we agree these things come with some sort of harm. Maybe we should have a regulatory body that looks after this stuff.
2: Yeah, cuz otherwise you have a t- uh a teacher's pension fund from a different continent uh yeah. <laughs> running your lottery.
1: Uh I'm pretty sure the pension fund also dips into tobacco. That would not surprise me.
2: Uh the pension fund sold their stake in the UK lottery though. Uh I think it's now owned by some Germans. So
1: it also we're lost safe. their stake in TSX or whatever hell. <laughs> whatever that crypto coin was
2: ftx, FTX yeah. yeah oh no they lost 0.03 percent of their um like assets of their 2020 assets not even their current assets um oh boohoo like they probably lose like more every day on like banana companies like actually banana companies probably do pretty well don't they probably i will plug what are stock- <laughs> what are stocks and Shakita looking like these days
1: behind the bastards had a really good uh, episode their podcast about the uh, ftx thing and how about the the main dude used effective altruism which is like a peter singer philosophy to like manipulate people into thinking that he was doing this all for a good cause And I find that angle of it very interesting. So you should check out that episode. Now, the other story that Jeremy Lafredo was involved in, past the cow milk story, is this story about like medical kidnapping, which is something that he brought up on. And the last time we checked in on this story, what we found out was that the parents, the reason why the hospital took this family's kid away from them was because the child was suffering from kidney failure, and it is quite likely that the parents wanted to treat that kidney failure with homeopathy, which is medical nonsense and would have resulted in the death of their child. So that's why the state came in and was like, no, you were going to kill your child. You now don't get to parent said child. I I don't know. It seems pretty straightforward to me, but apparently... uh. Both Jeremy Lafredo and Ezra Levant are perfectly cool with that. But Ezra decides to make like a very weird comparison to uh, the kidnapping of these children at these hospitals, according to them, and something that has to do with the trucker convoy.
0: You know, the idea that you would take uh, your child to the hospital to be taken care of. And they would seize your child because you disagreed with their medical approach. I think that's got to be the most terrifying thing in the world. By the way, that's a tactic that Justin Trudeau did on the truckers, saying if they didn't leave, they would seize any children mm. or pets in those trucks. No legal basis for saying it's just designed to terrify people.
1: Now, why might the police seize the children in the trucks at the convoy site? Maybe if they're deciding they're going to remove the convoyers and there's going to be police marching with like rubber bullets putting your... using your children as like human shields in that case looks kind of bad especially when you're doing it for like some kind of political protest thing in this instance. Now, granted I don't think that the uh, police should be shooting rubber bullets at anyone and being violent, thus putting the kids in harm's way. But we also had, like, knowledge of police doing this in the past, and if they were going to clear out the trucker convoy, it was going to come to that anyways. And then you decided to just have your kids there hanging around. Which also is weird that you would just have kids at a protest like that. Especially an illegal occupation protest with your kids hanging out.
2: I wouldn't do that personally. I mean the convoy people didn't organize daycares like yeah. <laughs> you know, the participants had children. you gotta bring them. I don't think I said this on the show,
1: but back when the QP stuff was happening, we pro one of the uh, picket lines that was set up for a protest in locally was at a hotel where one of the uh, the Monty McNaughton who was the uh, MPP who was the labor minister. So we were like, oh, he's coming to town. This would be a great place to put up a a protest picket. And we're there picketing, and it was right by the 401. And at one point, these people come out of a car, and they have a bunch of flags still rolled up, so we don't know what's on the flag. And one of the CUPE members was like, oh, who are you a part of? And then they just scowled and were like, we're not a part of you. And then they proceeded to walk up the the like ramp to the top of the bridge over the four hundred one, and then unraveled their like f Trudeau and Canadian flag, and like the four of them stood, <laughs> stood on the bridge, and then I was like, so it's like you are like the tyranny, blah blah blah, all this. But then like when people were actually protesting when their rights were being stripped from them by the Ford administration, they're not your friend. No. But yes, as I said. In terms of this story with the kids and the medical kidnapping, they were gonna kill their child with homeopathy. Like I I'm yeah. sorry, but like that's fucked up. And the fact that like Ezra and Lafredo here are like still uh I don't know, defending this family is uh not cool. But I will say, what's even worse is the next day, November 16th. And This is, I mean, we've already touched on some trans issues already in the show, but this is uh, where it gets pretty bad because we've had an ongoing weekly segment now of just like David Menzies co-hosting and then going all in on this Oakville teacher situation. Now we're going to have some more developments about this in this piece, but I want to say as well, I I find a lot of people... I've seen leftists even like parroting this line that it's been proven that this person is a fake.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't
1: know that they're a fake. I see no evidence that they're a fake. In fact, I'm, I'm leaning towards that this person is in some capacity real with however they're choosing to identify. And one of my main pieces of evidence for this, and we'll get to it like in a bit, but like they've already received three bomb threats at this school. And if this was just a lark... Why would this person be exposing themselves to that kind of violent threat? And so I lean towards that this is a real disposition, which is why the school board is protecting this person. I mean, I think they would have protected them anyways just because it's the right thing to do, even if they are an asshole who's, like, faking something. Yeah. But it's like, I see no reason to think that this person is faking it. I haven't seen... I've seen some weird stories. I guess recently... They uh she went on like a skydiving trip with like a conservative porn star. And it was like the conservative porn star posted about it on social media and people were like, this is really weird. But I was like, it, yeah. it's weird, but like so is how she decides to present herself. So it's like, I don't know. I don't know if that's any more weird than what's already happening. But I think because this uh, porn star was a conservative porn star, that somehow like people were making connections. But even then, the conservative porn star seemed surprised, not like they were in on it, you know. Mm-hmm. And whatever, if if the pers- if the Oakville teacher wants to go skydiving, let them go skydiving. I don't know, like I I don't know. Either way, maybe it'll come out. Maybe it is all a hoax. But I see no problem in thinking uh, that it isn't. And even if it isn't, how... Or even if it is or it isn't, how Rebel is covering this story is really fucked up. So we'll get to how Rebel is covering this. Menzies starts off by being mad that the school board is not going to introduce a dress code, which is one of the things that people were pushing and i think when we first covered this i was like of course they wouldn't because it's like like the fact that like the nipples are showing through i think i said like i knew a teacher who wouldn't wear a bra and it's like are they going to legislate some sort of rule that all teachers need to wear bra
2: like regardless like if it's a cold enough like it doesn't matter that you're wearing it even like but a they very just thick mandate bra.
1: thicker and thicker bras until there's no way yeah <laughs> It's just, like, mandating a dress code here wouldn't have, like, quote-unquote, fix whatever problem they perceive in this. Which is, like, mm-hmm. just let people have different-sized boobs and present themselves in whatever way that they want, and who cares? But he's mad that they didn't concede and introduce some sort of dress code. Then Menzies goes on again about autogynophilia which, again, is this old crank theory that, like, associates transness with perversion. And I will say as well that, like, he's going to mention again in one of the clips that we play. He pronounces it wrong every time, which tells me that he's never heard anyone ever say the word autogynephilia. He's just, like, read about it and uh, probably on Twitter or whatever and is just, like, reiterating it. So there's two new aspects of this story that were sort of, like, created by Rebel News, and we're going to hear them in this. The first is that they claim to have gotten some kind of tip and this is, this is fucked up, but the, <laughs> I'll just play the clip. But this is the first tip that they got about this story.
3: Well, folks, I'm leaning toward option B, perversion. And I say this because I was recently forwarded a photo of Lemieux Mew that allegedly dates back some three years ago. Here, check it out. Now, the person who sent this my way did not want to come on camera, but here's the skinny. This photo of Lemieux was captured at a Burlington theater that was hosting a private dance recital for little girls. Only the girls and their parents or guardians were in attendance. Allegedly, during the halftime intermission, Lemieux snuck into the theater and perched himself ringside to watch the girls dance. Alas, Lemieux was hardly inconspicuous, and some concerned parents eventually asked him leave. And so this skunk to the garden party did indeed leave. Now, folks, do you find this anecdote as creepy as I do? That a biological male dresses up as an unflattering caricature of a woman and then takes in a private dance recital involving little girls? Is this part and parcel of autogenophilia? Was Lemieux getting sexually
1: aroused by the dancing? Now, what's really fucked up about this, and I have no way to verify whether the picture is true or this story is true, but this is just an anecdote that was relayed to him. Yeah. And he goes from there to just being like, was, was this person, and again, the dead naming and stuff, I forgot to pause that, but like, th- this is just somebody relaying an, an an anecdote that we have no way to verify and that leads to Menzies just speculating on whether or not this person is a pedophile. Mm-hmm. And the story doesn't even make that much sense. How would you sneak into a theater like that? And then how far into the dance recital before someone's just like, Hey, <laughs> excuse me, person who walked into this thing. Like, it, I mean, it, it's it's... You know, repeating ourselves, but, like, the stochastic terrorism stuff. It's just, like, every episode, it, like, escalates and escalates to a point of, like, absurdity. Which is going to be the second part of this. And let me tell you, the second new piece to this story that Menzies is going to bring up is so fucked up. Especially because it's coming from David Menzies, who is doing this. Like... It's so close to Menzies. I'll just frame it this. It's so close to Menzies just to admitting to like some kind of crime here. So let's let's just go with it. Oh, no. There's
3: always another side to the story. And yes, we have reached out to Lemieux. We even visited his Burlington condo. It's a ground level unit. The blinds are often completely open. And get a load of this. When Lemieux is off duty and just chilling in front of the old boob tube, he takes off his breasts and his wig and his short shorts. Again, more evidence that his transition from male to female is not genuine because why is he only going through life as a female on a part-time basis? I mean, where is the commitment to those 36-pound bowling balls 24-7? In any event, he was in no mood to talk. Rather, he called the police and the Halton Regional Police Service is happy to provide taxpayer funded security for Lemieux because this shows how inclusive the police are. No, seriously, the Halton police even have an LGBTQ et cetera themed police cruiser.
2: Stop in the name of rainbows. Oh my God. What the fuck is going on here? Yeah. You know, I get inside, I take off my pants and put on sweatpants. You know, like you want to be comfortable when you are at home alone just hanging out. Presuming that there aren't people with cameras sneaking in to like film you. Like what the fuck?
1: It's it's so fucked up.
2: Yeah. But I know tons of people, like
1: if you had the option to remove some body parts every once in a while, whatever. It's just like to be this deep into the story. Like it was one fucked up thing when David Menzies dressed as this person at a school board meeting to like raise a fuss. Mm -hmm. But then to like get tips and then like go beyond the tips to suggest that uh, this person is like a sexual pervert. Pedophile stalking children at some dance recital and then to go all the way to their house and film them while they're just chilling by themselves and yeah. film them through a window just because oh they just happen to leave their blinds open i guess that means that i can film them it is worth uh, acknowledging as well that because of all this harassment david menzies is no longer allowed on halton region school board property whatsoever I imagine that David Menzies is also not going to be allowed on uh, the teacher's property as well. But uh, David Menzies uh, can be charged and arrested if he (laughs) goes on. Here's here's the thing. He is banned off school property in the Halton region because he's perceived as way more of a threat than this teacher is. Yeah. And yet they're the ones who are apparently like looking out for uh, your kids. And again, this story broke, uh, or this piece that aired on Ezra's show happened two days before uh, the shooting in Colorado, where someone reacting to similar uh, stories and and the way that Rebel News talks about this stuff committed a, a mass atrocity. Yeah. And again, the Oakville School has received three bomb threats. And what effect does that have on the children who are attending that school? I think I think threatening these children with blowing them up is a lot worse than the fact that this teacher is either pretending or or is really trans and wears big breasts.
2: Yeah. It's Yeah, we say it so often, right? Like it is just like it's a call to violence. Um, And, you know, there were protests this week uh, that just passed in various cities about, like, you know, anti-trans shit and the people were violently homophobic and, like, kept trying to instigate fights, particularly the, uh, at the one in Hamilton. And it's like, yeah, like like, we're you know, this is the situation that we're in and it is, the situation is as bad as it is because of people like Rebel News. And like, you know, Colorado will not be the end of it. And that, that sucks. And it also sucks that like these groups just continue getting to say this shit. Like, Tucker Carlson had a you know, the gays against groomers and, like, whatever else people, like, justifying the Colorado shooting less than a week after it happened, saying, like, that it was fine that it happened, like, you know, and, you know, thankfully, like, with the Canadian ones, like, the counter-protesters, anti-fascists, whatever you want to call them, greatly outnumbered the, like, homophobic, transphobic, like, assholes who were protesting outside of schools um but yeah like it's you know for now we have numbers on the streets but like with the way things are going that might not always be the case like it it is it's bad times
1: people need to be vocally against this though and show up when when needed like that's kind of yeah it's kind of where it's at and like I will say I I already know having a uh, you know read ahead if you will I I know they're going to talk about more transphobic shit next week after the shooting takes place I don't even think they mention the shooting but like this has been the one time where even even when there was like you know, the synagogue shooting when it like when there was all these other attacks, the the attack uh, at the, the Walmart that was against uh, Hispanic people in, in Texas. Uh, I can't remember what city that was, San Antonio or either way. I think so. When those shootings took place, the right somewhat tried to distance themselves from it. But there's been a weird lack of distancing from this Colorado shooting and that. That has me shook in a way that's, like, really fucked up. Like, there's something just about the way where, like, Tim Pool. Tim Pool came out after the shooting happened. He's, I don't know if you know Tim Pool, but he's one of these, like, I left the left type people. He put out the day after the shooting, well, look, they hosted a groomer event there earlier in the day. And it it was a drag brunch that was all ages. So, therefore, because they had a drag brunch, that was like all ages earlier in the day. Therefore, they deserve to like be murdered. Like it, it's it's beyond fucked up at this point. And the fact that like the, I've never seen the right wing react in that way. And that that has me a little fucked up, you know. But. uh And I realize like a lot of my rage, like in listening to the show is impotent, but it's like it is kind of fucked up that it's like day in day, or, like every week of this uh show produced by rebel news has a transphobic segment like it's been consistent now for like a solid few weeks a few months hasn't it and it's mostly censored centered around the oakville teacher but isn't solely focused and even i forgot they produced a book an anti-trans book by barbara k and that other person who was like involved in sports what was called unsporting which was about how like women are being replaced biological women are being replaced in sports so it's like it's really coming from them you know i think there's going to be uh one more bit about this uh in a second but we will move on for now we'll, we'll sort of move on because the, <laughs> the interview segment was with Celine, who's one of their employees and Celine was talking about the emergency act inquiry and they literally say nothing. It's like the truckers are good. The government is bad. And like, how am I supposed to respond to that? I don't know. Yeah. The only interesting thing out of that segment is at one point, Celine brings up the guns at coots and claims that it's possible. The RCMP planted those guns. And I have to say that that is the first time the guns at coots has been brought up on rebel news. (laughs) And it was it was in this offhand comment blaming it on the RCMP. So I don't know what that portends, but but there you have it. We then get into the mailbag segment. And we got a few weird takes, but we'll start off with uh a surprising take by Menzies here.
3: Local guide writes: anyone can be a school trustee when I lived in Toronto. There was a gay man with no kids on the local school board. Well, you know what? I don't think I'd have a problem with a gay man with no kids on a school board. I would, trust, I would judge that trustee by his merit, not by his sexual orientation and whether or not he had
1: children. The one thing that this is telling me is that it's clear that their pieces are bringing out the homophobia in their audience. Mm-hmm. But it is interesting that at least at this moment, Menzies has some pushback to the outright homophobia. Yeah. Now, for whatever brownie points or, or I, I don't know, like praise to Menzies he gets for that take, he's going to ruin it in a bit. But we'll move on. <laughs> I mean, it's already ruined, but it'll get worse in a second. So we'll move on to November 17th. And the whole opening half is this very weird segment. I don't even know how to address it, so I didn't get any clips from it. But the premise is he's talking about this case where this hockey player uh, who was going to be signed, I think, to the Boston Bruins when he was younger harassed a black disabled kid in very disgusting ways. Like I think got him to like lick a urinal or like just like repulsive stuff. And this came out, and then the Boston Bruins decided not to take him. It was just like, nope, I'm sorry, you, uh, you're you disgusting, don't play in the NHL, or whatever. And so the premise of, of David Menzies' piece is to be like, kind of like the Kanye West thing, where it's like, should we ruin someone's life for something they did in the past? And the only—again— f- I per- Like, he, he brings up another, he's like, well, there was some dude who killed someone in a DUI, and he still was able to play. And it was ten years ago that this happened? And, th- like, I don't know, I hopefully in the past ten years society has developed a little bit. Like, I don't know, maybe it would be a bigger deal today. I don't know. But then the other piece is, like, David Menzies goes, he can relate to the black disabled kid who was harassed by this guy. So he's not trying to downplay bullying because he was once a new kid at a school and got picked on. And too much, like, there's a part of me that's like, okay, David. But then, like, to compare being the new kid at a school with the kind of harassment that this kid got was a little fucked up. Yeah. But David Menzies being uh, bullied when he was a kid does not surprise me in the least. Does not surprise me in the least.
2: Yeah, no, it, it really doesn't.
1: So then he has on Franco Terrazano to talk about carbon tax, and I don't care, so we're not going to talk about it. We then get to the mailbag segment again, and now Ezra's going to be reflecting on the mail that he's received after the episode they did the day before about the Oakville teacher. And the first letter that he reads, it's bad especially in what it tells you about Rebel News' audience. Well, folks, lots of
3: feedback regarding my monologue on the Halton District School Board forever accommodating that which is known as Busty Lemieux. Redwider writes, Back in the day, if this was our shop teacher, we would have had this thing running for the closet. You know, I don't advocate violence, of course, but if this is a fetish of his, I think sometimes it's good to at least remain in the
1: closet. The fact that he read that letter is really fucked up. But then the fact that this is their audience that they've cultivated, that have completely dehumanized this person to the point where they're calling them a thing, Like I I I'm filled with so much rage listening to that. They're like, and it's impotent, what am I gonna do? I'm just gonna yell into the void. But like this is evidence they're creating people, you know? Hmm. And it's it's not good. And it's it's worth highlighting, you know? Who knows? Maybe this person will go on to commit a hate crime. And like this was his first uh, you know, big announcement. And great, we were the first
2: here, you know? Yeah. No, it really is just like, you know, he was like, oh, I don't advocate violence. But you make some points. Yeah. Was basically Menzi's response. Or his
1: response is like, please stay in the closet so we don't have to be violent.
2: Well, yeah. So that's, you know, oh, if you had only stayed in the closet, we wouldn't have had to do violence to you. Right? Like. Yeah. Not good. Yeah.
1: Now. The next letter. Is interesting in that it is somewhat critical of Menzies. So, here's this letter. Elkie Summer writes, Well, I also take off my
3: wig and relax my persona when I get home. I can see why many parents are disgusted by this beyond crazy trends, but to invade his apartment window, isn't that being a peeping Tom? Well, here's the thing. He lives, that is Carrie Luke Lemieux, a.k.a. Kayla Lemieux, at a Burlington condo. He's on the ground floor, and we were simply reaching out to him. His window is not, you know, a bathroom or anything like that. It is the living room. And that's when we spotted him without his wig, without his short shorts, and without his 36-pound breasts. Um, And a couple of things here, folks. I think one is if this is a genuine transition, why isn't Mr. Lemieux all in by being a female 24-7? He has the uh, luxury of taking off those prosthetics, unlike a natural woman who would have Z-cup breasts, which is forever affixed to the body unless one is going to undergo uh, breast reduction surgery. Secondly, we were simply trying to get his side of the story. And it meant talking through a glass window. He wanted nothing to do with that. Called the cops and we left. That is my defense. No peeping Tom uh, incident here. Jeez, who would want to peep into the inner sanctum of busty Lemieux? But you
1: did. Yeah. But you did. Like... Like even and so, the the person who wrote was also offensive, yeah, and said some pretty terrible stuff. But even they were aware, and what David Menzies did was creepy.
2: Yeah, like there's no, there's no way to spin it that it's not creepy to like go up to someone's living room window and try to speak to them through it.
1: There's got to be laws against this. Is there not laws against that? That seemed to be like very, if not, I feel like. The fact that David Menzies is admitting it on the show should be grounds that uh, Kayla Lemieux should sue
2: him. Probably way more effort than it's worth, though, right? Like,
1: it's a, it's a sh- very rarely do you have the person admit to it <laughs>
2: on a fucking show. I will. I will say. I hope that. Um, I hope that she's not listening to rebel (laughs) um
1: but there's i mean like i don't even know if it is a law or if whether you could win a lawsuit but that seems that seems like criminal harassment if you're filming through someone's living room window while they're just sitting there in their privacy watching television yeah unfucking real just (laughs) that and like you put that in like context with like the reason why they're, like, in their own heads doing this type of piece is just phenomenal, like, just sad irony, you know? Like, they're they're the creepy ones. They're the ones who are so creepy. Wait as I stalk them in their own homes and try to film them through their windows.
2: Well, like, his justification was that he couldn't be creepy about it because, like, who would want to be creepy about it? Right? Like, that was...
1: And also because they were there to just ask questions. They wanted they wanted their side
2: of the story. But, like, that part matters less because it's kind of, like, Rebels justification for everything. The, like, oh, who would ever want to part of it is, like... You know, th- that's where we get into the dehumanization a lot more. Where it's just, like, oh my god who would want to you know look at this freak type of situation where it's like you know your whole thing is that like people want to look at her also like it it it's it really gets into like it's just like not treating them as a person
1: no i well, i mean and it reflects in the audience as well who not yeah. only doesn't treat them like a person but identify them as objects and non-people. Yeah. Now there was, there was a Friday show and Sheila was hosting and they l- literally talk about nothing. She brings up World Economic Forum conspiracies and like none of them are connected to anything and are just silly and nothing to debunk. So we don't need to get into it. Uh, but yeah, this, this, that, that episode in particular was rough. Rough listening to, uh, especially after what happened over the weekend. So anyone who, who hung around, uh, uh, I, I hope you're doing well. I hope you personally are doing well. <laughs> uh, you know, at least know that I think as much as violence is likely going to increase uh, to the extent that it already is increasing, that uh, I I do honestly feel that there are more people who support trans people and gay people than the ones who want to do violence. Uh, towards us, I'll put myself in this community with uh, the things, you know, how I identify, you know. And uh, they can come after me too, fuck them, you know. But there's more of us than them. That's That's what we got. Yep.
2: Yep. <laughs> If you haven't already, uh, start taking your vitamin D. Uh, it is the cold and dark times. Uh, it's not covered by at least Ontario healthcare to even uh, get your vitamin D levels uh, tested, because it's just automatically presumed that you have a deficiency. Um, so, so take some. Um, it'll it'll help you get through. At least, at least the weather wise cold and dark times uh, that are coming. Um, also, like, try to get in contact with your local, like, you know, counter protesting group, your local pride group, your local, like, anti fascist group, whatever. Um, you know, look on them on Twitter while it's still around or wherever else people are these days. Yeah, just. Get ready. Hooray! <laughs> <laughs>
1: and if you support and enjoy what you've heard so far, uh, please give us a few bucks over on patreon.com imperial news. If you want to stay informed about what we're doing, you can also find us on Twitter at imperial news of the Z. We have a Discord setup. We do Twitch streams every Monday, Wednesday. And for, why am I reading the old script when I don't know that I'm going to do Twitch streams then? But uh, we do do Twitch streams occasionally. So if you like that, come check us out. You can also find videos we do on the YouTube channel. And you can find all the links to these in the show notes of this episode. Lastly, you can email us any question at imperial.fake.news at gmail.com. Special thanks to my friend Mason Tickle for the transition beats. You can find his work at uh, masontickle.com. And thank you for listening. I've been doing the the fake websites for the last few days. But I will say, instead of a fake website, go to translifeline.org and uh, seriously donate to them uh, in a non-fake manner. (laughs) Or or a real just, just donate to them. I don't know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> or get in contact with them if you need like assistance with some stuff. Yeah, and and um, blow up every bridge. Just get rid of them. And
1: then paint on the side of the crumbled bridge a trans flag.
2: Yeah. This is how we win.
0: Albumbia, Albumbia, how lovely are your wheat fields.